0: Hi, and thank you for joining us for in all things a weekly podcast of the evangelical presbyterian church i'm rachel joseph your host for in all things is dean weaver State of clerk of the epc the motto of our family of congregations is in essentials unity in non-essentials liberty in all things charity now here's dean
1: Thank you very much, Rachel Joseph, and welcome everyone to another edition of In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We hope to drop an episode every Friday for your engagement, uh, whether you're driving in the car on your way to work, walking the dog through the neighborhood, or just sitting down with a good cup of coffee. Uh, Wherever we find you, we hope that this has been a, a gift to you by way of not only learning more about the EPC, but hopefully topics that transcends that, and that you're able to share this podcast with others. We're a low-budget group, and we really depend on word of mouth um, to get this around, but we are, oh, I don't know, we're well over 15,000 downloads at this point in time, and uh, today is kind of a special uh, episode because not only have we just come out of a series of best-of podcasts from our first year doing this, where we've gone back and done some, some replays of some of our most popular podcasts. But this kind of starts the beginning of a, a new season for our podcast as we celebrate our 100th episode. And so it's it's kind of a big moment uh, in the life of the EPC. And we thought what we would do is go back to where we started. Um, in our very first episode over a year ago, uh, we started with uh, a three people on our national leadership team that we affectionately call the Three Amigos. That's the the moderator-elect, the moderator, and the past moderator who is currently the chair of our national leadership team. I believe that was uh, Glenn Myers and Brad Strait and Rosemary Lukens. And we had a discussion with them about the EPC. And so as we come forward over a year and have another conversation, we've got two of our current three amigos here. Rosemary Lukens, who was the moderator of the 42nd, General Assembly, is here with us, and she's currently my boss. She's the chair of the National Leadership Team. And then um, Victor is from Laurel, Mississippi, and uh, you're going to love hearing from him. And uh, he is uh, a member of the National Leadership Team, and he is the moderator-elect. And they both have had a long uh, history of serving the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. So, um, Victor and Rosemary, welcome to In All Things. Thank you. Thank you, Dean. All right. Well, it's great to have you both here, and uh, we're going to dig into uh, our conversation, kind of looking back on the last year in the EPC and then looking ahead in just one moment. Before we do, today's episode of In All Things is brought to you by BRI. BRI stands for Benefits Resources, Inc., and that is the wholly owned subsidiary of the EPC that provides for the benefits of our members. Uh, we have a health care plan uh, that is administered by our own people. So when you call the office and ask for help with health care, you're going to get one of our employees, not somebody in some far-off place, but someone who is uh, dedicated and committed to the EPC, part of the EPC, works for the EPC, and they will help you with whatever health care concerns you have, whether it's uh, issues with your pharmaceuticals, issue with your hospitalization or copays. pays Um, We have a wonderful, dedicated staff, including Rachel Joseph, who's the voice of In All Things. She serves in our BRI department, as she does uh, caring for so many people and their needs. And so it's a self-funded plan, which means um, the resources that we put into it are the resources that we have. And um, it is something that is actually, from the very beginning of the EPC in 1981, built into our Constitution, that the... um, At that time, the Committee on Administration, now the National Leadership Team, must provide uh, a way to have health care for all of the pastors and missionaries uh, of the EPC. Now, for many years, that was done uh, just by trying to figure out how to get a health care plan available to them. Eventually, a benefits board was created, and then about 2016, for fiduciary reasons, The BRI was spun off as a basically wholly owned subsidiary corporation, but it's solely dedicated to serving the EPC. Now, the other thing BRI does is it manages our retirement benefits. And so the retirement plan um, that comes out of um, being a pastor in the EPC to benefit their families is also uh, worked through BRI. So whether it's health care or retirement, uh, it's a wonderful benefit to those who serve in the EPC. And it's a gift increasingly there are fewer denominations that are able to provide this kind of service for their members. It's exceedingly rare, and what makes the plan even more rare is that it's an ethical Christian plan, which means that the money that's collected to provide health care and the retirement benefits for our members does not in any way go to anything that would be contrary to the ethical beliefs and practices of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and that is unique and special, and for that uh, we are deeply, deeply grateful. So we have great leadership in the EPC, people who are dedicated to caring um, for our members as they carry out our mission, which is to carry out the Great Commission, and that includes our national leadership team. And two of those three leaders on our NRT are with us again, as we mentioned. And uh, Rosemary, you were with us um, a year ago, a little more, when we had this conversation i can't remember the exact date but when when this thing started when we launched this modest little podcast you were the original first guest so here you are again at this kind of milestone moment um sitting next to this rascal who is um you know about to become the mo- he's the moderator elect but he'll be the moderator next year and i think the whole denomination is to start praying now for when Victor's is the moderator because i just I just don't know what's going to happen.
2: We're going to rename this podcast the Dream Weaver Podcast. <laughs> You've been waiting all day to say <laughs> to that. Say. Yeah, yeah.
1: Threatening to bring in a music track to do that at the same time. But So, uh, Rosemary and Victor, let's look back. In the last year in the EPC, where have you seen gone at work? What are some of the things that from a, a leadership viewpoint that you would point out that perhaps our listeners might not be aware of and be helpful to give them some insight into the inner workings of the EPC. So where have you seen God at work?
3: Oh, it's just been an incredible year being moderator, Um, traveling around to different presbyteries, seeing God at work in the synchronization of the way all of this is coming together, the connectionalism of all the presbyteries, getting to see God doing miracles in places that I would never have expected enjoying presbyteries that are fully functional and healthy. And just, for me, the blessing of being with other believers from all over the country, who some of whom even sound like Victor, um, a part of the world that I'm not familiar with. As I'm from the Pacific Northwest. And it's just been a blessing. So God is definitely at work in the EPC. And I credit a ton of that. Dean, to your leadership and to your willingness and openness to follow him at pretty much breakneck speed. <laughs>
1: well, I did not pay Rosemary to say that, and Victor may uh, have some corrective remarks here, but I do want to point out that it's two right now at this table, it's two ruling elders, and one teaching elders that's an epc thing right so
2: that is that's going to be the flavor of this it's going to be a ruling elder heavy discussion excellent rosemary and i talked about this um we were fortunate enough to to meet each other several years ago in some national work one of which uh involved a search for our stated clerk and
1: um and amazingly, you guys still have a job. That is and correct. That
2: and so we, we got to know each other from two completely different ends of the spectrum. But we both have some things in common. She's involved in the healthcare industry. I'm involved in the healthcare industry in a way. And my seventh daughter's name is Rosemary, as well as my mother-in-law's name is Rosemary. So it's a term of endearment and, and affection and i have grown to be a friend with rosemary so i've said rosemary thousands of times in my life and it's continuing <laughs> to increase well but we're we're looking just like we want to just tag on your uh, sponsorship pitch as elders rosemary and i ask each other all the time what does it mean to be connected
1: in the epc in the last year, that's been something as a leadership team. We've been asking that more and more. Right. And I think to your point, Rosemary, going back to the Presbyteries, we're looking at how do we connect nationally? How do we connect at a, as Presbytery levels? My, my theory is, is that Presbyterians are very Presbyterian at the local level. They're a little less Presbyterian at the regional level, and they're barely Presbyterian at the national level. And yet, at the national level, our most inclusive governing body, the General Assembly, does things like approving a constitution and adhering to confession and, and all, the, all the stuff that really is weighty and considerable, ordination and things like that. And at the end of the day, those are the things, if, if we're able to kind of agree to this is our mission, right? Our mission is to carry out the Great Commission. Then that's a, kind of the marching orders for the regional and for the local. And, and so the idea that we would begin in this last year talking about what does it mean for us to connect with one another to achieve our mission, and we're starting to look forward and say, well, what, what's that look like at a presbytery level? And what's that look like at a congregational level? Is that what you're kind of getting at, Victor?
2: We have come together for the four gospel priorities, and we've hammered them and hammered them. And national level, we're on the same page. What does it look like for multiplication to happen at a Presbytery level, at a local congregational level, and that means church planning. we got a guy for you to talk to, Tom Riggs, and he's coming to a Presbytery meeting near you.
1: And right now he's our only sponsor of this podcast. We have a $1 bill in our studio here that Tom gave us. So right now our low-budget podcast has one sponsor, and even though today's episode is brought to you by BRI, they haven't given us any money to say that. So, Rosemary, as you look back on this year's General Assembly, for example, a little different vantage point when you're the outgoing moderator versus the incoming moderator. You get to preach and lead the communion service and all of those things. But how did you see those four gospel priorities coming together at what was really our first gospel priority summit as a part of this year's General Assembly?
3: The whole outline of the General Assembly this year focused on our gospel priorities, and I loved it. And I, I just heard so many positive comments from people about, wow, this is internally done. We have our own experts in the EPC, and they are sharing with us best practice. It was phenomenal. And the breakout sessions were great. People got to ask questions, got engaged with people, other people from across the country who were also interested in the same pieces. I mean, it was just a phenomenal experience. I, we have to continue to build on that because that's who we are. We are not necessarily a high-priced speaker kind of group. We are a group of people who want to connect and get the work done for Jesus.
1: Yeah, we had a, an amazing person who was supposed to be our keynoter for the church planning who had a family a situation that came up that prohibited him from coming. And really, literally at the last minute, Tom Ricks, Moses. and like Moses, did a pivot. And it was exceedingly well done and well-received. And I I was standing in the back at one point, and oftentimes our world outreach staff and work global workers would be doing some of their world outreach things during that time, but because we only have one plenary with nothing else going on at the time, everybody was in the room together for all four of those presentations. And I was standing in the back, and a number of the world outreach workers heard Mike Moses' presentation, and and they looked at each other and they're talking about the same things we're talking about, you know? And for the last year, I've been trying to tell the world outreach people, you know, you guys plant churches, but we have a group domestically that plants churches. And I've been saying to Tom, Tom, you guys plant churches, but we've got a group internationally that are planting. like you're both planting churches. So two of our four gospel priorities that get after the great commission are basically church planning. So to, to give a glimpse behind the scenes,
2: one of the mantras is find where the spirit's moving and go there do the work and we had a hot national speaker lined up that couldn't make it providentially hindered tom ricks and mike moses gets up there and it changed some people's attitude about church planning i mean my group went home said we have got to plan a church lake forest has got it memorialized in the budget it's going to ongoing multiple church planning and we want to embrace that Our Presbytery needs to encourage that. If you're not growing, if you're not planting churches, you're missing out on this stream of redemptive history.
1: I I visited with the Lake Forest family of churches a couple of weeks ago at their 25th anniversary. And I think right now they have planted so far about five. Um, One of those churches has now gone off and is kind of an independent church, but still very closely related and connected and good working relationship with them. But they're already eyeing up two more. I mean, so the idea of multiplication is just kind of built into their DNA. And I heard you say something, Victor, where you said, if you put it in your budget, then the decision on whether to do it or not is gone. You've, you've handled that. I don't now. have to fight for it anymore when it's in the budget. <laughs> and that's a nice thing. Now it's just a question of where and when and how, not if. So Dean Rosemary is right about her assessment of the GA
2: in this new approach And I want to tell you something that makes it more uh, effective. If you send somebody to GA, you're missing the boat. You send a team to GA, you send your pastor and two elders, and it's easier to bring glimpses of that vision back home
1: to infect the congregation. That's what we want to see. Yeah, and you have conversations while you're there. You're debriefing things. When you come home, you talk about it. You've covered more ground. You can go to different seminars. It's good to experience it. It's better to experience it with a team. That uh,
2: 10-hour travel home is where you get it all worked out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, Rosemary, over the last um, year as moderator, you were pretty busy. You were on planes a lot, flying around, visiting our different presbyteries. And one of the things at the National Leadership Team we've been talking about is how does the kind of collaboration uh, in integration we've seen at the national level. That is to say, what you saw on display at General Assembly this year, which is the four gospel priorities in sync, right? You had Gabriel DeGia from World Outreach introducing Bob Stoffer in Church Health. I mean, you, you saw Bob and Tom helping out with Effective Biblical Leaders. Like, they were all all in it together, and we see how they're all kind of related because they all get after the Great Commission. And you visiting these presbyteries, What's the next move for us as a denomination in terms of this kind of missional alignment from the General Assembly now? What's that look like? Can we move that same kind of alignment to the presbyteries and congregations? And what would be the benefit if that kind of alignment were to go through the entire family of churches that is the EPC?
3: I think we can do that. I'm praying that we do accomplish that. I think that there are presbyteries who are totally on board with everything that we're doing and who are willing to step out and risk changing some of the things that they've been doing to meet best practice. And that's what we've got with all of our leaders in World Outreach, in church planting, in church health. We have best practice. It doesn't mean you have to take the whole thing and swallow the whole pill at once or, you know, that you, it can't be slightly modified. But when you have best practice, why would you not use it? So that's, it's, to me as a healthcare worker, you know, when you get a prescription, why would you get it and not take it right. if it's going to be helpful for you? And and so that's what I see. I would, I really want to see that in every presbytery. I talked about that in all the presbyteries that I visited. Um, and I talk about that in our session at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor. It hasn't fully reached our congregation as much as I would like to see. It hasn't penetrated our presbytery to the degree that I would like to see as well.
1: So, I mean, and understandably the, if you're a member of a congregation stuff that happens at the general assembly seems like a world away, seems a little disconnected or maybe even irrelevant, but we're not a a top heavy organization, you know, with this huge bloated bureaucracy at the national level. I always tell people, We're a lean, mean, missional machine, right? And that is, I think we've got 21 people in the office of the General Assembly. That includes our benefits department and world outreach. So it's not like there's a lot of people uh, in this office space for an entire nationwide and global work uh, that the EPC does. But our motto in the office of the General Assembly is we're here to serve you. All the resources that flow up quickly flow back down. And they flow back down in, in the sense of resourcing local congregations. Just for an example, if you go into the, the box file online for the church health coordinators, they've got, uh, Bob counted them the other day, 147 resources that they've developed in that box file that when, when a church health coordinator or a coach in a presbytery goes to a congregation to come alongside of them to become a healthy church. That's what our gospel priority of transformation is all about. They've got resources to help them that are really good. In fact, you know uh, from your experience, Rosemary, you work with a great organization called Vital Church. That the work we've done in transitional pastor training, other denominations are looking at that. They're coming to us. Vital Church has looked at that and said, This is pretty good stuff. I think at our last transitional pastor training, we had pastors from the PCA, from the ARP, from ECO, as well as the EPC coming. And I think we've trained over 300 transitional pastors at this point. So you know, you got a church in transition, pastor's been there a long time, or maybe they've been through a hard time. It's a great time to stop, evaluate things, take stock of things, and get some seasoned experience, trained leadership in to help you navigate that ever-important transitional period. So back to your question why would you not you know make access to these resources that are that are internal these are EPC resources created by EPC people for EPC churches and our job is to help get those resources out to the local church because that's where the kingdom of god breaks in
2: rosemary's exactly right about that let me from my perspective dean the first general assembly i ever attended was in 1979 in another denomination and In my perspective as a young man, the world was relatively at peace, but that church was in turmoil. And today, and I think Rosemary will agree with this, what we see, where we live, all over the world, the world is in turmoil, but the
1: EPC is at peace. And that's what we're enjoying. And that's part of our culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed, uh, over the weekend, we had a Gospel Priorities retreat recently, and I sat down and listened to Bob Stauffer and Tom Ricks, who've been in the EPC, Bob, from the very beginning, Tom shortly after. And I sat there and listened to the two of them do kind of a very personal take on Andrew Jumper and Ed Davis, the kind of two founding fathers of the three of the EPC, and their personal relationships with them. And I just could have sat there all day listening to them because I think what we're experiencing today, Victor, is what they planned. It's what they dreamed of. It's what they... Uh, worked hard for and we're we're reaping the fruit of of that and and you know really you know bob says to me all the time dean there's nothing new under the sun here like the epc hasn't gone off in some new direction and we haven't sacrificed any of our theology we have the same westminster confession standard of faith we have the same essentials of faith our theological convictions haven't changed one bit the world around us changed quite a bit our convictions haven't changed one bit how we get after ministry and carrying out the Great Commission? Well, that's always going to change a little bit because circumstances change. The truth doesn't change. How we apply that truth sometimes does. Well, let's let's shift a little bit because you mentioned earlier, uh, Victor, the, with uh, Rosemary's background in healthcare and your background working with hospitals and boards. You both have this interest in healthcare, but in the EPC and the National Leadership Team, you also have a real interest in how the wellness of our pastors and our missionaries take place and um, so talk to us a little bit about your your feelings about benefits resources inc and how it serves the denomination what it's there for you, you guys as the national leadership team are giving kind of purview to kind of oversee all of that to make sure and we've had some presentations recently that have kind of helped get us up to speed on on where things are in our self-funded plan but do you have any thoughts looking ahead um, at you know our benefits program and people's level of participation in it and any encouragements or thoughts that you might have?
3: I was surprised to find that only about 50% of our churches actually are engaged with BRI.
1: It's especially surprising, Rosemary, since it's mandated in our Constitution. <laughs> yes. We don't mandate a lot. like A lot of it's left up for vol but that actually is one of the ones that's actually mandated.
3: And the other thing I learned... Um, recently, like yesterday when we ha- talked with the BRI folks, is that it had never crossed my mind that general insurance providers provide for abortions, provide for trans, you know.
1: Gender reassignments. Yes, yeah.
3: all of those, in my view, unethical, immoral pieces of work that, that they do and support. And EPC, the BRI, doesn't do that. It's like wow, that is a, that's a real learn because my money, if I'm a pastor and I'm and my church are contributing, that's going straight toward healthcare for those of us who share the same values and who believe in the Lord Jesus and who want to take care of each other, and the stuff that you've done this year in terms of benevolence. Every once in a while, we on NLT get a little note from you saying. Can you approve of this benevolence for this particular case? And, you know, we give money away to help people meet their deductibles, whatever it may be, in terms of crisis. It's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, we heard a story from um, Bart just recently of a pastor who calls, wife has cancer, got an MRI, but the MRI didn't work. And so she needed a second MRI before they could approve her to go forward with her her cancer treatment on Monday three days and that and the insurance company, which is our provider, Aetna and Maritine, um, you know, you work with a big company like that, like any big healthcare company, you get the bureaucracy. And, you know, the thing was, well, you know, you, you gotta get this whole approval process to get that second MRI done. And the pastor calls the BRI office here and Bart's on the phone and within minutes there's somebody at that hospital that's getting her into that other MRI, having it all since approved. And that's part of the benefit of a self-funded plan. Because if you're out there and you're on some plan with some company, you don't have somebody going to bat for you like that. And I can't tell you how many times Bart's walked into my office and said, hey, man, we got this young pastor out in Ohio. Um, They've got a problem with their child. Um, There's about a $30,000 bill that has fallen on them uh, in terms of caring for this special need. And uh, he looks at his reserve fund. I look at the medical benevolence fund. I send one of those emails off to you guys. And, uh, you know, that young pastor gets his bill covered, you know, and I can't tell you how many times and how crushing is that for anybody, let alone a young pastor coming out of seminary with seminary debt at a small church and maybe doesn't have the income to, to really take care of something like that. So one of the operative values for BRI is compassion, right? A Christian plan that treats people like people, not numbers, and has compassion and tries to serve them.
2: That's exactly what I heard. We heard the report from the leadership yesterday and compassion's what came to mind. Yeah. Both Rosemary and I know about the bureaucracy of the healthcare system and the nightmare of providing benefits. And this is a different situation. We heard things about the concern for the emotional well-being of our people who are servants to the kingdom. And it reminded me... You know, this business we're in, just like somebody we like to listen to in leadership world, Newha said, your character is going to be tested more than your competency. Mm. We got people running that program that realize we're dealing with people who are under pressure and we want to take care of that. And also another thing Rosemary and I share is this philosophy of being mentors and being mentored. I've been mentored all my life. She is passionate about the people she's mentoring. And being connected means more than saving 2% on an insurance premium that you have no control of and you're not connected to. Right. So as ruling elders, we heard the leadership very compassionately offering carrots. How can we entice people and encourage and educate? And Rosemary and I meet out in the lobby. We're more of a stick kind of person. <laughs> How can we offer a stick? But <laughs> we, we want to encourage, if you're a ruling elder and you don't know what your church is doing or if you're participating, ask some questions and talk to some of
1: our leadership here. and we've got, we've got a good story to tell you. Yeah, they're not just highly competent, skilled professionals who, you know, could be making a lot more money somewhere else, quite frankly. But these people have the utmost of Christ-like character who, uh, you know, Mike Bush, the new chair of the BRI board, when he said, yes, he said, he said I, I just want to serve the church. I want to serve the church because I believe in the mission of the EPC. Servant leadership. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got to wrap this up. I'd love to have a longer conversation, but would love your final reflections as ruling elders, thinking about the EPC and where we're going and any encouragement you would have to people listening in and how they might, um, well, pray for the EPC, learn more about the EPC, connect with the EPC, um, you know, any... Ruling elder advice that you would like to offer? You just gave us some, Victor, as it relates to the health care plan, but any, anything else that you'd like to share before we close out?
3: I would encourage people, ruling elders particularly, and probably next in line deacons, to listen to the podcasts and do EPC Connect because you won't learn, even in your time as an elder, everything that's going on in the EPC by just being a ruling elder in a local church and when you hear from different people all across EPC land and understand and know what's going on it is so exciting you're drawn to it like a moth to a flame this is this is the breath and the life of EPC and you need to under people need to understand that and gather in and participate not just come and do their local church thing.
2: That sounds like somebody who, when you ask them, can you do this? The answer is yes. Yes. She is enthusiastic. So for those folks who stayed to the end, here's our bonus. We go to chapter four of Ruth and the kinsman redeemer. Boaz lines the elders up at the gate. And this guy who's number one in line to be the grandfather of David, who is the earthly seed of Jesus Christ? His name's not even in the Bible. In our English transa- translations, it says uh, "friend," but that's not. That's the Hebrew. You'll have to help me, Poloni mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So the Southern theological translation of this look out now. Is, is literally "so and so," like your grandma says, "that old so and so ain't worth nothing." <laughs> The guy who was first in line said no. The Bible doesn't even give us his name. He's a so-and-so. The next guy, Boaz, that stepped up is the grandfather of David. What a blessing to step up and say yes, I'll serve, I'll lead. We love it. We agree about that. Yes, we do.
1: Well, I am so appreciative that the two of you are not so-and-sos, that you (laughs) said yes that you step up and Victor Jones and Rosemary Lukens, your names are known in the annals of in all things, because Rosemary, you're a two-timer now, and we're just so grateful that you said yes to serve the EPC. You do it at your presbyteries, you do it at your local congregations, and you do it at the General Assembly, and you see how those things all actually work together, because at the end of the day, we're better together, and we can get after this thing called the Great Commission when we all pull in the same direction and you guys are giving leadership to that. And for that, I and all of the EPC are deeply grateful. Rosemary Lukens, former moderator and chair of the national leadership team. Victor Jones, the incoming moderator-elect. Presbytery of the Pacific Northwest, Presbytery of Gulf South, Chapel Hill EPC Church, and Westminster EPC Church in Laurel, Mississippi. Um, just love you two, appreciate you both, and thank you for being here on In All Things. Thank, you, Thank Dean. you, Dean. All right. Well, my friends, we're going to close out as we always do with that good word from God's word. Um, maybe a, a, a new milestone moment for us on this podcast, but some things never change, and the word of God is one of those things that never change. So we come back to where we always do at the end with this good word. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and they're for him. You see, he is before all things, my friends, and in him, that is in Jesus, all things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church, and in that we take solace, we take peace, and we draw our strength and our life. Until the next time we gather together in this venue, my friends, I bid grace and peace to you.
0: Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of the entire team, please join us for our next episode. For more information about the EPC, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today.